Welcome to Anchor Point, where we believe that the next 30 minutes could change your life forever. So join us to consider the greatest message ever heard, the good news of the gospel, as well as sound scriptural teaching for believers, all based on the Word of God, the anchor for our souls. Some people, even church-going people, aren't really comfortable with the term saved. It's kind of a drastic word, isn't it? It means that there is something to be saved from. It kind of means that we are helpless to save ourselves. It implies that if we are not saved, then we are lost. Yes, saved is a very weighty word in the Bible. But it is used very often. In fact, the disciples often ask the Lord Jesus questions about what it means to be saved. Questions like, who can be saved? Or, are there few that be saved? And the Lord did not hesitate to answer them. He emphasized to them the importance of making it a priority in life, even impressing upon them that they needed to strive to enter in. This doesn't mean that working really hard lands people in heaven. It means rather that, as sinners, we must put it first in our lives. No one casually gets into heaven or will be surprised to find themselves there. We need to take the gospel message personally and seriously. In today's broadcast, evangelist Gaius Goff explains very simply what it means to be saved and provides answers to these questions on who can be saved and who will be saved. We hope that this gospel message will help our listeners to understand God's way of salvation. The Gospel of Mark, chapter 10. When the Lord was here, he used to ask questions. I'll ask it of you now, and I'll probably be doing that from time to time. And it's this, will you be saved or lost? Well, that's not a complicated question. I am going to just mention that because that's what we're going to be reading. Notice here at verse 25 of Mark chapter 10, And they were astonished out of measure, saying among themselves, Who then can be saved? And Jesus, looking upon them, saith, With men it is impossible, but not with God, for with God all things are possible. So to put a paraphrase on that question, who then can be saved, it simply means who's able to be saved. Now just turn over to the Gospel of Luke chapter 13 and reading at verse 22. And he went through the cities and villages, teaching and journeying toward Jerusalem. Then said one unto him, Lord, are there few that be saved? And he said unto them, Strive to enter in at the straight gate. For many, I say unto you, will seek to enter in, and shall not be able, when once the master of the house has risen up, and hath shut to the door, and ye begin to stand without, and to knock at the door, saying, Lord, Lord, open unto us, and he shall answer and say unto you, I know you not, once you are. So the first question, who can be saved? Now this question, verse 23 I paraphrase it like this, who will be saved? So who can be saved? And then secondly, who will be? 
Now there's a final reading back in the Old Testament in the book of Isaiah, chapter 33. And I'm going to just read one verse. That's verse 14 of Isaiah, chapter 33. The sinners in Zion are afraid. Fearfulness hath surprised the hypocrites. Who among us shall dwell with the devouring fire? Who among us shall dwell with everlasting burnings? So I'm going to just speak to you about three questions. Who can be saved? Who will be saved? And thirdly, who will be lost? Now, you probably by now realize that we have used that word saved quite a bit. And a lot of people are not quite sure, perhaps, what we mean, because there are places where people would conclude a gospel meeting, and they would say, anybody that would like to be saved, please come to the front. And then they would tell you that you're saved. And then there's others have different ways. Some people will think that they get saved when they take the Holy Communion, and their sins are put away. They think they're washed away by the Eucharist or the bread and the cup. But the Bible doesn't say that. And some think they're saved by being baptized or and or confirmed or become a member of a church, and they would think that's what makes a person saved. But you see, in the Bible, nothing that we do ourselves saves us. Saving people is what God does for people that need to be saved. So it's something like this, and we've mentioned it before, but as we move through our lives, honest people become aware of a limited time that we have here on earth. And we become quite aware of the fact that this life is not really known by how long it is, but really by how short it is. And so thoughtful people generally come to a place sometimes, and hopefully it's for young people like some of you young guys here, or you teenagers, or even when you get older, and sometimes people will stop and they'll begin to think, am I a sinner? And sometimes people will think, well, I haven't, uh, I don't curse, and I try not to lie, I do sometimes, but I try to do the best I can, and they come up with some of these things, and, and they try to make themselves kind of favorable to God. And they hope that at the end of their life, God will open the door to heaven and take them in. But you see, there's a problem. The Bible says that our sins separate between us and God. So it's like there's a big black cloud that separates us from God, and we can't penetrate it from down on this end. It can only be penetrated from on top. And God did that one time a long time ago. The Bible says it like this. The Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. And again, the Bible says Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. So he had in mind doing something that only God can do. So here's how it works. In our lives, honest people face up to the fact that I've got a problem that I can't handle myself. It's bigger than me. Even though it's only a little word, S-I-N, sin will keep me from God. Sin will keep me out of heaven. Sin will take me down to hell, and I can't help sinning because I am a sinner. We've all got that in common. Everybody has it. So as we travel the course of our life, some people try to ignore their sin and say, oh, it's only not all that bad. Don't sweat it. I mean, 
you know, God is merciful and he's going to overlook everything. He's like one of the judges down the courthouse. And if you kind of got an inside track, he'll just sweep all your sins under the rug and say, oh, you've been pretty good and come on in. But that's not the way it is. God is not a crooked judge. And so here's the way it works. As we move through this course of life and we become aware of sin, the wise person is honest enough to face that as a problem that I need help with. I can't deal with it myself. I can pray all I want and do all I want, but I am not going to penetrate that sin barrier by anything that I do. And the Bible calls that, as we move through our life, we come to a stop and we halt. That's the first step of repentance. And we face the fact that I need God's help. I need God to save me. The second thing about repentance is we stop and we make a 180-degree turn. We turn from sin to Christ. We turn from darkness to light. We turn from the power of Satan to God. We make that turn deliberately. It doesn't just fall on us. We stop and are honest enough to say, I'm wrong, and I need God's help to save me. The first step in salvation so that God can save people is repentance toward God. And then comes faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. So what happens? When a person comes face to face with the Lord Jesus, then they understand that the Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. And in the fullness of time, the Bible says, God sent forth his Son, made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem us that were under the law, that we might be adopted children in his family. We've got two adopted children, grandchildren in our family. I love them just as dearly as the ones that were born into our family. Same thing. They are ours. Whether they were born into our family or adopted into our family, they are our grandchildren. And God adopts people into his family. But we turn to Christ, and we understand that when Jesus died on the cross of Calvary, he died there for my sins, and he died there for yours. Now, have you ever thanked him for that? I mean, honestly. There's a lady I know, and they had a little corner store. And a few years back, people didn't have fridges, and so they used to always go to the store to get milk every day, sometimes a fresh loaf of bread. And she was a kind little lady. Bell would ring on that front corner store, and, and people would come. And she knew everybody on first-name basis. She was enjoying being a Christian, and she loved the Lord, and she loved people. And quietly, she would make a little testimony every day, have a little chat. And uh, one lady, she said, you know, uh, it's a number of years ago when D.L. Moody was preaching that God saved me. The lady said, oh, I, I don't need to be saved. I, I'm not bad. I'm a good person. In fact, she said, I teach in the Sunday school, and I sing in the choir, and I'm the head of the ladies' auxiliary, and she went over all the things. She said, no, I, I'm, doing, I'm doing fine, thanks. Because she said, you mean you're not a sinner? Oh, no, she said, I'm not really a sinner. So one Monday morning, the little bell rings as the door opens up, and in comes this lady, 
And Mrs. Smiles at her politely, and she said, Good morning, you miserable sinner. How are you today? And she said, What did you say? Well, I said, Good morning, you miserable sinner. How are you today? And she's smiling. And the lady got really upset. How dare you say that to me? Oh, she said, I thought you went to church. Well, of course I went to church. I was there yesterday. Well, didn't you stand and say, God, be merciful to us poor, miserable sinners? Oh, well, she said, that's in church. Everybody does that. Well, she said, you didn't mean it then. So if you didn't mean it, you are a liar and you're a sinner whatever way you look at it. Now, have you ever come there and been honest and faced yourself in front of God? Who can be saved? You can be saved, every single person in this building. In fact, for the whole world, the whosoever goes out, whosoever will, may come. I love that word, whosoever. You know, not very often you run across people with the name Gaius, or in the Bible it's called Gaius. One time I was at a meeting, and there was five of us with that name. It's only happened once. Not like Jim Smith or something like that. And I, I knew them all because they were all younger than me. But whosoever means me better than my name. I'm a sinner. But the whosoever says, Christ died for sinners. God commendeth his love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Now that personal pronoun means you. And whoever will can take the water of life freely. But who will be saved? Who will be saved? You can be. But if you had to say, I am not saved, then who will be? We read in the Gospel of Luke. The question came to the Lord. Who, who can be saved? And then he said, the second question was, Lord, are there few that be saved? Or who will be saved then? Out of all the people, who here will be saved? Those people, Jesus said, who strive to enter in at the straight gate. Now, that's not a word we use a lot, except when we're fighting. But that's what people do when they play a hockey match. They strive to get that black bit of rubber down from one end of the ice to the other and through that little screen into that net. And if they do so, they're supposed to be cheering and everybody's happy over this because they got that little, or if it's a football game, they kick the pig's bladder from one end to the other and and if it gets through the thing down there, yay, everybody's cheered up. And if they don't, like that. They strive. They put everything out to win those games. And people break legs and noses and they lose their teeth and everything else just to get a piece of hard rubber into a net. They're striving to win a game. Well, have you ever made an effort like that to go into the kingdom of God? Have you ever made an effort to find that? This young man had played hockey for a long time, and then he retired. And they were asking him what he's going to do now. He said, I'm going to stay in hockey one way or the other, because he said, hockey is my life. Well, the problem is, what do you do in the off season? You know, if a game is your life, what do you got to show for when you're my age, when you can't kick the pig's bladder from one end of the field to the other, or the piece of hard rubber through the net? Or punch the other guy out so you can knock him out and get a TKO or a, or a knockout. What are you going to do? Life is over? I'll tell you, I'm getting a great kick out of my life. I shouldn't maybe use that word kick, but I'm enjoying life to the full. And I look at some of these miserable people that I see around that I went to school with, and they look like 
they got a face like a 10-day rain. I mean, they, they got no more joy, and they got money coming out their ears, and they got no joy, no reason for living, and no hope for dying, because they are not saved. And the reason they're not is because they never strive to enter in. You're not going to get into God's heaven if it isn't important to you. It's not a casual stroll by the cross and saying, all right, God, I'm ready now. Not at all. You've got to strive to enter in at the straight gate. Crisis things call for crisis actions. And you, if you're not saved, if God has not saved you as yet, and mind you, he wants to save you. He's that close. The Bible says he's near unto all that call on him out of a pure heart. And the Bible says, whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And the Bible says, if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. So God is really anxious for you to be saved. He's anxious to do that for you. But he won't do it if you're not all that concerned about it. So would you be willing to humble your pride and to bow your knee and say to God, right while you're sitting here, I need to be saved. I want to be saved. And I want to be saved. Yes, we all have the problem of sin, and we all need to call a halt to our lives and take this problem very seriously. It's called repentance, stopping in our tracks and turning around, listening to God's call in the gospel, and looking to Christ alone for salvation. Have you ever done that? You need to. The gospel message goes out to the entire world, but not everybody will be saved. Only those who turn from their sin and trust in the person and finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ on Calvary as the price for their sins will be in heaven. God says there is no other way. If this or any of our Bible messages here at Anchor Point has made you aware of God's interest in you, or if you would like some literature that would help you understand these important truths, why don't you drop us a line at anchorpointradio at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. We're glad you were able to join us at Anchor Point today. Anchor Point is sponsored by believers in Christ who are meeting at various gospel halls. Each of these Christian assemblies holds gospel services every Sunday, as well as other meetings such as regular prayer and Bible studies throughout the week. If you've been challenged by today's message and would like to know more about the truth of the gospel or of gathering unto the name of the Lord Jesus Christ following New Testament principles, take a look at our Anchor Point website at anchorpointradio.com. There you will find more information as well as the location, programs, and meeting schedules for the gathering center nearest you. Our Anchor Point messages are also available for listening and download at anchorpointradio.com. My name is Glenn Todd. Thank you once again for listening, and we invite you to join us again next week at the same time for Anchor Point where we believe that Christ alone is the anchor for the soul.